episode 3,321 of the Survival Podcast. We're going to have a great discussion today. Somebody's joining us from across the pond uh, out of rural Ireland, and uh, I hope I don't say his name wrong. Kyle Bababakin, I think is he can correct me in just a minute when I bring him on. He also is known as the Bridgman, and uh, he decided to leave the city and start homesteading in a true rural environment, did it on shoestring budget. Uh, maybe Shoestring's even generous when I look at his story, and I think it's going to be very encouraging. He's here today to talk about making the move to uh, homesteading and to, in his words, remove your excuses. Those of you that say you can't do it because you can't afford it or something like that. Uh, so we'll have him on in just a minute. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Nicole Sauce with her awesome Journey to Self-Sufficiency, her homestead starting pack. This is a seven week long uh, webinar series with great instructors that will teach you everything that you need to know to get started with homesteading skills, creating a successful garden, raising small livestock, uh, victory garden poultry, beginning canning, advanced canning, curing meats, and an introduction to cheese making. And if one of those sounds like it's something you really want to do and the others aren't, you don't want to do the whole thing, you can purchase them individually. Uh, retail on this is uh, $4.95, but if you or just a uh, TSP listener, I've got everybody a discount on this one. The discount code is TSP Bacon. TSP Bacon, you get it for $200 less just by using that discount code. So check out Nicole. You guys know she's awesome. She's been part of our community for almost a decade, I guess, now. And uh, she's done a lot here to help people. And it'd uh, be a great place for you to uh, to give back and learn something at the same time. Next up today, JM Bullion. You know, you guys know I love Bitcoin. But I've never turned away from precious metals. I believe in stacking sats and stacking silver. JM Bullion is a great place to get your silver because they support the show you love. If you're an MSB member, they give you a discount. They have a great selection. I can talk directly to the president. They ship free. And if you're an MSB member, you get a discount. So I would just say if you're going to stack silver, why use anybody but JM Bullion? And if you, like me, you like Bitcoin and silver, they even accept Bitcoin as a form of payment to buy silver and gold with. That might be something some of you guys that are into mining would be interested in as well. And with that, let's go ahead and uh, get our special guest uh, on the show with us. Uh, Kyle, welcome to the Survival Podcast, man. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks. It's, uh, I've been listening since about 2018, so it's cool to actually be on the show. That's great to have you here, man. Uh, how, how bad did I do with your name? Not so bad. I've heard worse, especially okay. in school and things. It's, uh, it's not an Irish name. I'm sure people can <laughs> tell it. Uh, <laughs> All right, so I'm I got quarter, closer. Yeah, and I'm a quarter Armenian, so that's where oh, okay. it comes from. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's start off with, before we dig into like, your journey out of the city, back when you were still in the city, what was like your, your background, your profession? Like, what, what did you do for a living? Um. So I didn't have like a, a standard career. Like it was hospitality mostly. I spent like okay. ten years in hospitality, then like cleaning toilets, doing dishes. <laughs> I, I was being a supervisor. I've, I've done everything. I've worked in the kitchen. Um, that was most of what I did. Um, 
I didn't go to college or anything. I went for like a month. You had a glamorous and, career, man. Yeah, yeah. And I, just before coming out here, I was walking dogs. So that was like the last thing I was doing before I, I tapped out. Awesome, man. So what made you decide that you wanted to leave such a glorious career and uh, head out <laughs> the country and become a homesteader? Um, I don't think it's like one thing. It's kind of a, there's a whole bunch of different things. Um, one, one being with my glorious career, I don't think a bank would ever give me a mortgage. And <laughs> um, so going cheap is probably, was the only real option for me to ever really own something, but it's also uh, I've always been really into nature and animals and insects, and I've always been doing that. My my mother's very good and brought us hiking in the mountains very um, very often. So I've always just had that affinity for being outside. Um, and then just you know learning about health, diet. I want to grow my own stuff. That came into it. The way the world is at the minute is not. Um, it's not the way I would have it, so I'm kind of figured I'll get out and just make my own little pocket of something that suits me more. Gotcha, man. So did you have any experience? Like, I grew up gardening. I grew up hunting. I grew up fishing. So it was hmm. kind of a natural fit to me when I got fed up with corporate America. Like, this is what I'm going to do, like go back to my roots. But I, I, looking at your story, I get the feeling that maybe – it wasn't so much the case for you. No, no. Um, when I when I kind of decided, I can't I can't really pinpoint exactly when. I don't think there was like a decision moment that this is the way I want to live my life. Uh huh. Um, but it was quite recently. I'd say like 2017, maybe. Um, I have always kind of wanted chickens because that just seems so cool. Yeah. Um, even as a teenager, like like you just get free eggs. So, but no, no gardening. There's no gardeners in my family, not even with ornamentals. Um, I've always had an interest in wanting to kind of live this way, but I thought that you had to be born into it. And I just grew up in the normal suburbs um, just outside the capital city in Ireland. Uh, so no skills to speak of, kind of just learning from YouTube the last um, number of years. Looking getting into bushcrafting and camping and um, spending nights out on my own. Um, that helped me a lot. It also helped me gain a lot of confidence when you can build a fire and forage for food, those kinds of things. So I've been, I was building up my skill set a couple of years before I came out here. So let's say 2017, I moved here 2021. So, okay. So you've been on your piece for, Almost two years or right around two years then? Uh, two years, two weeks ago to the day. Two years, two weeks, yeah. Yeah, when you yeah. do something like this, you keep track of anniversaries. Right? You know? <laughs> yeah, you do, yeah. It, in some ways, it is kind of like a birthday. It's like being reborn, I think, when you extract yourself from what people call normal and then you go live a life that's what I call normal. Uh, to me, there's nothing more normal than having a part in what you eat. Uh, caring for animals, not being tethered to what modern society says you have to do and what have you. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I definitely, 
it feels sometimes it, it's it's very surreal feeling you kind of it feels like I've always been here I feel like and even my neighbors I was talking to one of my neighbors there uh just saying oh yeah it's been two years and they're like oh, it feels like she, like she's been grew up here her whole life she's never yeah. lived anywhere else except for this yeah. village and she feels like I've been here forever as well huh. um, so it's really cool but then there's also moments like there was a moment not too long ago I was walking outside at night it was like middle of the night it was dark except for this big bright moon like reflecting off my pond and I was just going to close up the chickens and make sure everything was uh, all set for them and I was like I live here I had to remind myself that this is actually where I live. It was just crazy weird. You get these crazy weird moments where it's like you've been here forever, but you're also just arrived. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It is a transformation, I mean. And then as the longer it goes, the more like your prior life seems like it never happened. Dorothy and I were talking about this uh, a couple of days ago. We lived in Pennsylvania for about three, almost four years. And it was a big time of our life. Our son was in like middle school, getting ready to go to high school. So you got all that growth. I was traveling all the time. We had a beautiful house. And sometimes we look back at that and we go like, did that even happen? Like, it's almost like it was a dream. Like we've always been where we are in the world now. And I think that's just, maybe it's a human coping mechanism or something. Like we retain, we retain the information, but, the feeling of presence is in the current place. And it seems almost like yeah. the longer you are at a place, like I, this feeling I think will be magnified for you, you know, at five years or 10 years. Like it's crazy to me sometimes I'll sit here and go at the same thing you're saying, like we've been here 10 yeah. years and that seems crazy. A decade has gone by since we moved yeah. into this place. And yet on some levels, it feels like we just got here. It, it, it is kind of weird. Yeah. In a yeah, good way. Yeah. Like you saying. Yeah. Like sometimes I even have to remind myself I have a family. I'm like, oh, I have, <laughs> I have people back home in the city. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just feels like a whole other world, or it's like it's almost like a movie. You have a memory of a movie. Yeah. And you can remember the scenes. And it's like I had like, but I did I did that. But it's kind of yeah. more like a story to me now. Yeah. And it's a completely different person as well. Yeah. Um, when you're in your fifties and you look back at it, I mean. I look at back back at my time in the army and go, that's, that was a hallucination. That wasn't real. (laughs) There's no way I did all that crazy shit. That's not me. Um, So you had no idea what the hell you were doing and you took Hmm. this jump. Right. And I also find a lot of times going from city life, even fairly large town life to true rural is a shock Hmm. for people. Had you ever even lived in a rural environment ever before this? No, I've never lived outside. So, Dublin, if anybody doesn't know, Dublin is the capital of Ireland. So I've I've lived in Dublin my whole life, apart from like a little while when I was a baby. So let's say 30 years city living, city life. Um, I grew tomatoes in a pot once, you know. <laughs> um, that, that was about it. So it was kind of, yeah, it was a big move. Like the, Dublin's got, it's a like, small city in um american standards but it's like a million and a half people and where i live now is maybe between 250 to 500 people hmm. yeah that's that's a big difference that's that's a yeah. massive difference that's where you can almost know everybody by name you can certainly know yeah. almost everybody like we used to have a saying back where i grew up in uh, rural pa like so you say do you know so and so and the person would say well i know him to see 
Meaning yeah. I don't talk to them. I don't have a relationship with them, but I know who you're talking about. Right. Like, yeah, that's yeah. how you end like, up it's, in a place like that. Yeah. It's kind of like, I know if someone says, Oh, do you know, let's, I'll just say Barry. Right. Yeah. Do you know Barry? I say, Oh, I don't know him. I've never met him. I've never seen him, but I know his house. I know where he lives. I know where he lives. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of young people out there. This is kind of their dream. And I think that they have a tendency to think, well, I'll go into the corporate world. I'll work. I'll make a bunch of money and then I'll retire there. There's a lot of life in between those two times and a lot gets yeah. wasted away in that. And it'd be better to spend that time doing what you want to do. In my opinion, what are, what are your yeah. thoughts for young people? Like, well, how would you encourage them about this? And the other thing is, can you tell us how old you are? I don't want to put you on a spot or nothing, but I think. Oh, that's yeah. No, you're fun. I, I'm 32. 32. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, so I started this just just after I turned 30. Um, so for young people, if you want to do this, if you think, I think, I think the YouTube stuff can kind of, and like Instagram and Pinterest can kind of throw people off on this as well. They see all these other people that do do what they want to do and they subscribe to these channels uh, that have these big, nice homesteads, big, giant, like, houses and... There, there are other people like myself that have like the smaller things going on, but you think you need to have everything set up straight away. And that's the, the same kind of goes for uh, anyone buying a typical house. Like you, you'll get your mortgage and you'll buy your house and you'll set aside some of that mortgage to renovate the kitchen and the living room or whatever. You want to add an ensuite or something or whatever it is. And you kind of do it all at once. Mm-hmm. And that comes from, like banks giving out loans and making that possible but that's not how things always were uh things used to be done generationally where like if we go to the frontier in the states um a man would like leave his family to go out and stake a claim on some land and he would clear trees he would put a small plot for like a kitchen garden he'd build a log cabin send a letter a couple months later the family comes they then they set that up then his son will inherit it he'll build bigger sheds um maybe get like increase the size of the cattle then the next his son gets it and he improves the fencing and so on and maybe even buying more land along the way uh nothing was ever all at once yeah Um, that's a new phenomenon and that's kind of where I, I I just read a lot um I especially read a lot about how people did things in the past uh here in Ireland and in other cultures and countries um and I just remind myself like that's that's normal what we live in now is an anomaly um so don't be afraid to just in my in my view be normal and work <laughs> I call it the fiction of fiat, right? Like the only reason this exists is because we have this monetary system where they can create the money they give you based on your promise to pay it back if they think your promise is good. So when a bank gives you money, it's not even real money. It's fake money. They take printed out of nothing other than your commitment to repay. And and then the real property might act as collateral in the background. And it is an illusion. And it is not reality. And, And you mentioned like YouTube and Instagram and all that. I think another thing that hurts people that are trying to get there is the presentation of perceived perfection, right? Like Mm. they only show 
their best days, their best results. They spend hours worried about the lighting and the framing and like, that's not real. Like I, I swear I have a tremendous amount of respect for the homesteaders that do this that are like, this is my shittiest day ever. Look, everything mm-hmm. died. Look, something ate my chickens. Look, the, the coop's blown yeah. down and I have no money to rebuild the coop or whatever it is, you know, aquaponics guy, all my fish are dead. They jumped out of the thing and died or whatever. And so much of it, and I think the place that it's even worse than homesteading is the tiny house world. Everybody's yeah. reading yeah. a book, an Instagram model with heart hands. Everything's perfection. They, they read the book like this with the hand yeah. out. They're like, yeah. like, who reads like that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you see the one like being woken up in the morning and it's supposed to be your boyfriend waking her up and in the mirror you can <laughs> see she's holding her own yeah. phone? Like, there's so much BS. Mm. And I think it's, uh, it's refreshing when we do have people like, hey, it's not all easy. But it's worth doing. Yeah. You were talking about how it used to be on the frontier here. I remember reading this. Uh, it was a story, but it was based on fact. And it was this family that they went out. Now, they did have the guy leave and then the family come later. They all went. And I think it was in Oklahoma during the Sooner years where you could get 40 acres just by first person to it, staked it out. You got your 40. And so yeah. they were part of that settlement uh, movement. And the first thing they did was start digging a hole. And they built the basement before they built the house. And like mom, dad, little kids, people are just walling out buckets. And then they went to the creek and they got clay and they plastered the walls with it and they fired it. And then they built the cabin on top of the hole and they were going to make the house bigger. But in the first season before the winter came, they basically had a single room with a basement. That was it. That's what they had. And that way they could store food. They could hunt. And they got very little else done in that first year. And they went out like yeah. as early as they could in the year to start because they knew it. And then, you know, over time, they, they expanded the house and they did kind of what you said. And mm. if you look at the opportunities, even for somebody pretty broke, and we're going to get to that in a second, because I think that you qualify as that when you went out there. Like <laughs> what we can start with today, even is pretty broke, is pretty well uh, light year ahead of that. Right. That That's that's. If anybody has ever cleared a quarter of an acre with a chainsaw, the mm. respect you will have for a man who did it with an axe and, and, a, and a saw, a, a handsaw, it goes through the roof. Like I've, yeah. I've cleared an area the size of my office with a chainsaw, and you're you're sucking wind by the time you're done with that small area. And then you're talking yeah. about taking that and going into a field to plant. Uh, it's insane what uh, people before us did, or you know, our recent ancestors, I guess. You would say, and I think that should be an impetus for us to just like work with what we have. Yeah, yeah. Like I started when I first moved here, I couldn't afford a chainsaw. I did use an axe and a one man saw. I cut ten trees down. Yeah, and I was done. I didn't even I didn't even break them down. I just got them on the ground and was like, I'll get a chainsaw next year. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So I've huge for that, and especially like pulling the stumps out, like having a workhorse and doing that. It's just it's a, it's crazy what people did. Well, we we think it's crazy now because the way yeah. we grew up. Yeah, they, a lot of times though it was like a family effort, you know. And being yeah. on your own is a little different than you know the some of these. You know, back then they would have families with like twenty kids, and you're like, why? Well, that's my workforce, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we we need another employee, honey. Let's go to the bedroom, <laughs> you know. And four years later, you'll you'll have somebody that can do something. Um, yeah. You know. Um, What's the biggest lesson you've learned in, in all this in the process of kind of setting up your homestead? Biggest lesson that I've learned. That's a big question. Yeah. I need to take a second for that because okay. 
I've learned a lot of lessons, but the biggest one. Um, Pick a big one. <laughs> a big one. Um, don't. All right. The biggest lesson I'd say, I'd say every time you ask me this, I'll probably give you a different answer. But right okay. now, I would say, like, don't. That's a phrase. Um, don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. And yeah. in relation to that, like, when I even was just looking at this property when I bought it, and any property I was looking at, but after, even after I bought this, I got like the top, I paid some uh, service to get the topographical maps. I wanted to know what the contours were, and I made all these plans. And I was like, I had all these drawings, like, this is what it's going to look like. And then I yeah. get here, and nothing has gone to plan. Not <laughs> like nothing, not one thing has gone to plan. And but things have turned out better than I could have planned. Ah. And that's the thing. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's been the biggest lesson is don't be, well, you need to be kind of strong-willed and um, throw your head against the wall sometimes to break through, but there's there are certain things that you do need to adjust and reorientate yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, we always said in the military, no battle plan will survive contact with the enemy. You're going to have to adapt and adjust on the fly. And when you're dealing yeah. with nature, you don't want nature to be an enemy. But if you don't accept that, it becomes one very quickly. And yeah. you're, you're dealing with a dynamic thing when you deal with nature, meaning that it moves, it changes, it fluctuates. The place there was never a flood, you change one thing over here and you redirected water flow. And now there's a flood over here. And you can say, yeah. I want to stop that. Or you can say, well, wait a minute, maybe it's a pond site. You know, just as one example, like you have to... Yeah. You have to be adaptive because you're dealing with a dynamic uh, component, like multiple dynamic components on the other side. The most complex dynamic system that we know of is, you know, our ecosystem that is on this planet. And that's what you're you're going into. You're dealing with Mother yeah. Nature and she can be your friend and keep you alive or she can kill your ass. Right. And everything yeah, yeah. in between that, like there's a lot of frustration it doesn't get anywhere near it's killing you, but it's pretty frustrating that this thing I thought was going to work doesn't work. I, I learned that when we came here. I had a background in gardening. I knew all kinds of stuff about gardening. I was a good gardener. I grew up, I was eight years old. I was out cutting broccoli florets and blanching up cauliflower. And all. I got here to Texas. I planted broccoli. It all died. It all instantly, because it's so hot, it instantly bolted and went to seed and died. Cauliflower didn't. It was like, cauliflower. I, I hate you for putting me here. Screw off. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to, just going to wilt and go into the ground. And, you know, then you realize, okay, so what I knew there doesn't work here. And you kind of have to reboot and restart. And I think that like, if you don't know anything in some ways, that's an advantage because you expect failure where if you think you know what you're doing and you've changed ecosystems, that new ecosystems like, "Ah, I see what you planned there. Good luck with that. Welcome to, welcome to Texas. You know, it's like, uh, we we make a joke. I made a joke the other day. I said it was so hot here that the hobbits came and threw a ring in my backyard to get rid of it. Like it was a totally yeah. different ecosystem. And and whether you're making that change because you're going from a city to the country, or you've you've yeah. in the country, but you've dramatically changed your climate type. I was just listening yeah. to one of Jeff's talks on that. And he was talking about how the first thing you really need to think about is what climate are you in, because that yeah. changes anything. He was talking to a group of students. He said, "I can come here with all this knowledge." But if I give you a design and I don't think about the fact that this group he was talking to, you're in a continental climate, 
and I start designing subtropics from Australia for you, nothing is really going to work. You almost have to be a little bit of a, a climatologist or a weather person and understand the climate you're operating. And that's just one piece of that yeah. dynamic situation. Yeah, no, the, when I moved here, like the soil here in this part of the country is different than the soil where I come from. Yeah. So like it, it's very, like very dense, like blue, black clay. It's, uh-huh. I think there's like black, black gumbo clay in Texas. Yeah, that's what we call it. Probably similar. Yeah, it's like rock solid, like concrete in the summer, and then in the winter, it's like sludge. (laughs) Um, so that's 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 what I'm living on, and uh, like you could build skyscrapers out of this stuff. It's crazy. So yeah, like that. uh, Yeah, adjusting with that, I I didn't anticipate that. Um, so that's just one of the things that I've had to deal with. Yeah, we've got we call it Blackland Prairie is is the the clay type here, but black gumbo is the more colloquial term and it's pretty accurate it is like goo right yeah and and it's it's a different thing than that beautiful high till soil that i grew up with as a kid you know Um, i used to joke i mean you could take a tomato and throw it on the ground and come back in a couple weeks there'd be a plant and people laugh I'm, I'm, i'm not completely i'm not completely joking when i say that you literally could bury a tomato and a bunch of baby tomato plants would just come up and the strongest one yeah. would win and it would be a new plant. It's yeah, you know, I, I saw plants go from seed to, you know, a tomato plant be this big in you know, like yeah. four to six weeks direct sowed. And if you try that here, it's it's just not gonna happen. You have to take a different approach. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you earn your living now? I mean, I know you've probably driven your costs as low as possible, but there's probably not a lot of uh, hospitality jobs in a place with two hundred people. Uh, I actually, well, I got very lucky. Okay. Um, lucky or blessed. Uh, there's a, a small coffee shop about like a 10 minute cycle from me. So I do that on the weekends. Um, when I first moved here, uh, all of my neighbors were so great and they still are. Like, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd still be here if it wasn't for my neighbors, but hmm. there's a lot of work around, especially for a young man uh, out in a rural area. Um, because a lot of young men, like here in Ireland, a lot of young men have gone off to Canada. They've gone to the States. They've gone to Australia. And there's been huge, like, waves over the years of young people leaving. So uh, for a young man to come into a rural area, there is a lot of work. So I've been, I've done uh, painting and fencing and a bit of roofing and stuff like that, which I, I've had no experience doing any of that. I would I would just say yes. <laughs> I would just go to it. Yeah. <laughs> um. But so I've done that. I've kind of slowed down doing that kind of stuff. This summer I will be doing a bit more painting. Okay. Um, but the big thing is just that part time. I just do the two days a week, and then I have five days a week to myself to fish That's or great. work in the garden. Um, and I, I, I am planning on doing things with the homestead once I get my production going. It's kind of you need to get those cycles moving in order yeah. to start making that money. So I'm still in the early stages even at two years to get to that point where I can be selling eggs or selling vegetables or fermented stuff, whatever it is I'll end up doing. That's great. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for young people that have the healthy, strong back and the work ethic, you know, uh, in these situations. Like when I, when I moved here, one of the first things I looked for was a good handyman and and not Mm. because I couldn't do it because I don't have the time. 
Yeah. Because I run a business. So I have money. They have time and they need money. That's an, that's a, that's a, a form of yeah. barter, you know? And once you, once you find a good one, like anything you need yeah. done, call John. Just to tell my wife, yeah. just call John, get him to do it. Well, how much? I don't care. All I know is if I spend six hours working on that versus six hours working in my business, I'm going to be negative and he'll do a better job. And if he gets yeah. hurt, yeah. I don't have, I don't have workers comp. Like that's a young man's world of falling off. You fall off a roof when you're 30. As long as you don't break <laughs> yeah. your neck, you'll be back at it in a couple of weeks. I fall off a roof. I'm done for the rest of my life. Right. I'm, I'm finished. Yeah. Like you just don't heal anymore. So if you got a work ethic and you're willing to like figure stuff out, especially, yeah. the, you know, if you do work, like, well, this job pays 50 bucks. If you end up taking three days to do it, as long as I didn't need it mm-hmm. done today, I don't really care. And you did yeah. lose some time, but then you learned that. And the next time you do that job, it won't take you three days. It'll take you a day, you know? Yeah. Like I installed my own windows here on the cottage. Uh, it took, it took me, it took me two weeks to do it because <laughs> I was like, I'd pause for a few days and be like, okay, the next step, am I going to mess it up? Da, da, da. But then I, I installed someone else's windows um, yeah. just a couple of weeks after that. And I did a perfect job. Yeah. Because um, I, I, and I think it was because I did spend that time with each step and I really was very slow and methodical and reading all yeah. the different ways you could do it. Um, then I could go and do someone else's for money. And I think that's, if you have it, like I don't have a car, I just have a bicycle and I, I managed to do this. But if you're a young person who wants to go out to a rural setting and you are worried about work, I think if you have a pickup truck or a van or even like a small hatchback and a small trailer, I don't think there's any excuse really, if you're in any way handy, to not make money. Even just clearing sheds, there's money yeah. in that. I completely agree. There's there's always something people need done. And mm-hmm. it's usually cash money, you, me, and the fence post type of situation. You yeah. know? And that's that's a great way to get going. When you started out and you're mm-hmm. like, I'm going to move to the country. I'm going to need a place to go. How much money did you have? Like, what was your budget? When I decided or when you did when it. I was actually, yeah, when, when I did it. pulled the trigger, like. When I pulled the trigger, I had uh, like 30. So the property was 30,000 euro. Yeah. Um, and then I, my, I have a mobile home. <clears throat> uh, so that one cost me 4,000 and it cost me 1200 for delivery. Okay. Um, and then I had 300 euro left over and that was it. I, and I had, I had a hammock. Well, before the mobile arrived, I slept in a hammock and a tarp. And I was working in the coffee shop doing that. Wow. So you did have some money saved up. It just all went into the purchase of the land and and, yeah. and everything else. And a euro's a little bit more in value than the dollar, but may have not been at the yeah. time. So yeah, yeah. it's like a dollar, a, a euro and nine pence, I guess, to a U.S. dollar right now. So yeah. um, you can pretty much say you had about between thirty-five and forty thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what you spent, and then you had almost nothing left. So you managed yeah. to save that up. How long did, like, once you were committed, like, this is what I'm doing, how long did that take? Yeah, so it take to get that, like, like 5000 a year isn't an unreasonable yeah. goal, so that's, you know? And you do that over, five, like, yeah, something like that. 
And then if you have any extra, you just put that into your house jar. Um, yeah. So it does take a couple of years. If you earn more money than me, you do it faster. Then you, it, if you do it faster. If you're living at home and you're not paying rent, it's even faster. Or if that's not an option for you, uh, you can save up, like, let's say 10 grand, get a van and do the van life thing for a while. Yeah. To, so you can stop paying the rent. And I think that's like, for older, if you're older, it's you. It's tougher to do what I've done. But if you're younger, uh, if you're my age or younger, the you don't maybe you don't have a lot of assets. You haven't built up your wealth over time, but you're more spry, and yeah. you can do these things. And that's you should play to your advantages and not try and play like just like the boomer game. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I think that's the problem with so many people today are they're younger, even younger than you, even they look at the boomers with, you know, this whole kind of, I don't want to use the word hatred, but adver mm -hmm. adversarial mindset. Like you guys took everything and we yeah. have nothing. Right. And then they turn yeah. right around and they try to actually live the same life. Right. Yeah. They, they, they just, we, say, I just want what you have. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm sour. Cause I don't have it. There's a, yeah. there's a little bit of that. Yeah. And you broke the playing field, but I'm going to go on the field and play the same game instead of do something diff completely different. Um, yeah. Because it is a different landscape today. And when I look at, like, yeah. especially really young people, like in their early 20s or late teens, I'm like, you know, you could go work for building contractors just to learn skills. And by the time you went through two years of that, you could have completely built kind of a mobile tiny house. And you should have a pocket yeah. wad full of money on top of it because it either went into the house, you ate it because you got to live, you got to eat, or it should have been saved if you really wanted to do this. And now yeah, you've yeah. got a, a dwelling to start with because we're going to get into what you had to do to start. You mentioned the mobile because uh, I know the place yeah. you moved into was like just a wreck when you, when yeah, you first yeah. got there and you had to completely rehab it. But then that person mm -hmm. would have, you know, Good solid four walls, roof, toilet, whatever. And if you want a job framing and you'll show up on time and not be drunk, you can get a job framing. You don't have to know what you're doing. They'll teach you. And in a week, you know the basics of framing. You know, and yeah. if you, you want a job doing drywall, you can, it might have to travel a little bit or whatever or work cheap. But if you're looking at it from a skill set development, uh, a plan and then you when you when you wind up where you are you've got some money you've got a place to stay you know or you maybe you don't build the thing maybe you buy uh, an RV like a towable RV or something but have something yeah and the one thing I'll say about RVs though guys you don't want to live through a hard winter in an RV it is it's a no matter how much yeah. heat you put in it it's it's a rough life um, I've, I've seen people like in really harsh winters, like just give up with an RV, like everything freezes up no matter what. I, I imagine your winters are pretty harsh. Um, yeah. But yeah, so you, you saved up about 35, 40,000 US dollars. And then how much did you say you had left when you, so now you gotta, you gotta fix everything. You moved to your new place. How much did you have in your pocket at that point? Like 300 bucks or something? Yeah. Yeah, about <laughs> that, like enough to get me to the next week. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't even have the job. I had the the trial for the job, sorry. I had the trial for the job and I was just banking that I'd get it. Yeah. Um so and then like yeah, just for 
the property didn't have a driveway and um, had nothing like it was just basically raw land at this day like hadn't been lived in for 30 40 years by the time i got to it so there's a lot of a lot of work to be done yeah was there any temptation like if i just stay put for another six months like even if you had bought the stuff mm. if i just stay here for another six months i could save up another few thousand bucks before i go or was it like i gotta do i gotta get on with doing this i guess that's what one yeah. happened right uh well, I had, I did have a little bit more money at, at first, um, yeah. but then COVID came. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, the big C. <laughs> so then I was like, and I was a dog walker, so my paying my rent was coming out. So my rent was like seven hundred and fifty a month. So that okay. started coming out of my savings, and because uh, obviously I'm as a dog walker, I was like entering into pe- other people's homes. Yeah. So people didn't want me in their homes, uh, so. I wasn't really working. <laughs> okay. uh, so my money was dwindling and I was like, and then these properties, um, there's a lot of them here in Ireland, like these old uh, ruined cottages. But there are some that I was looking at for like, they'd be up on the market for five, six years and I'd just be looking at them. Yeah. And then when, when 2020 happened, like they were just boom, 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 selling, selling, selling. They were just disappearing. Yeah. Uh, so I was just like, All right, well, I need to get in on this. And we had like travel restrictions at the time. Yeah. So like you couldn't, it was very strict at one stage. You couldn't go beyond two kilometers, like let's say like a mile, so like less than a mile from your home. There's things like that. I was, I was just out my bicycle cycling around the country. I was, but there, you could still get public transport, like buses and trains and they wouldn't stop you, but you couldn't yeah. drive out. So I would just take my bike on the train and I was just going viewing cottages and things. And um, so then I bought this uh, and then, yeah, I could have then just sat on the property because my intention was to save up more before I bought it. But I ended up did had to buy this before my money disappeared. (laughs) Um, And I could have sat for longer with it, but that job posting was listed for the coffee shop. And I was like, this is just too perfect. Like, it's oh, just, yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to go for it. You know? Sure. So I was just kind of on a whim, on a chance. It wasn't really too planned out, but, um, alone is my favorite show. So I was like, oh, I'll just be like alone <laughs> in my hammock. Yeah. So it was kind of a really, like I don't think the cottage was really you'd call it livable. So did you use the mobile and you lived there, or did you just camp, or what did you? What yeah. Did you so do for the first. Started? Yeah. So for the first while, it was the hammock until the mobile arrived, and getting that delivered was like a whole other thing. Yeah, because again, there was no driveway to bring the mobile onto the property, um. So I had to like do a really, really bad job of putting in like a small little pad myself which mm-hmm. didn't end up working it sunk into the ground <laughs> anyway but so there's that i didn't have any running water i've no electricity um so i had a, I have a small generator it's like a a knockoff version of the honda 2000 um so i had that and no no heating no nothing um there's a well across the road but it's in bad condition um but i did i do water on the property 
but it wasn't piped to anything. It was just on the what you get on the street. So okay. I'd have to like reach my arm into the into the valve every time I wanted water. Reach my like undo the cover, put my arm in, undo the valve, then run around with a bucket and just like kind of point the hose into the bucket, and that's how I got my water. Uh, my plan, like like what you were saying there with the RV, you don't want to do winter in an RV. You don't want to do winter in the mobile home that I got either because it's not it's not residential spec. This thing okay. is like really really flimsy it's like maybe like an inch of styrofoam insulation and just single pane glass um so i moved in the beginning of the summer uh and then the plan then was get into the cottage uh well initially was asap but i got distracted just working and trying to get money together because i needed to get a full proper like 50 meter driveway, like 50 yard driveway. Um, so I had to save up for that. So that's why I was doing a lot of odd jobs. I was working seven days a week at then. So I had my coffee shop job and then I was doing a lot of work for one of my neighbors who's a part-time farmer. And he's also does some other odd jobs like on like small construction jobs, you know, like installing windows, those types of things. Yeah. Um, so Eventually, I did get that money together for the driveway so I could move because the mobile was like right on the road and there's big like the forestry trucks are driving by like the the big arctics and the quarries. They're driving up and down my road all the time. So in the middle of the night, they like a big truck could go flying by and it's like it's like two like two meters from my head. Um, so I had to get my mobile up off the road up next to the cottage. So that was my big first thing I wanted to get done. And then after that, well, I don't know, that was done after, but by the end of the summer, I started realizing, oh, I haven't done anything with, I've been so obsessed with the driveway and getting the mobile away. I haven't done anything to the cottage. So that's why I was like kind of panicked at that stage. I haven't really, I still haven't really done much with it. I've given it a paint job, like this place, actually that corner there where the bookshelf is, there was like all black all up that wall and all up the ceiling because someone had lit a fire here one stage. I don't know where some teenagers having a party or something. Um, and there's paint peeling off the walls. There's spiders everywhere. It was damp because the, the drainage ditches behind the house, they were all blocked up after like decades of not being used. So, um, I had to do all of that as well. Uh, all I really did was just the windows, the paint job, fix the drainage behind the house and then put the stove in. Yeah. That's still all I've done because I want, I wanted to focus then. So that's now a year and a half has just been working outside. I want to get my vegetable garden. I want to get my chickens, um, get the infrastructure in place. Cause I, I could live, I could, can, I could still be living in my hammock up until this point if I wanted to. Um, I'm very low maintenance myself. And I kind of forgot what your original question is, and <laughs> I rambled off there. No, I was just you, you answered it. It's how did you live when you moved into this place and the house really? Oh right, yeah, yeah. But, you know, yeah. So that's how I lived. Oh yeah, cooking, cooking on a campfire for a long time. Um, that was also another thing. So and washing was just like a bucket and a and a little small hand towel and just scrubbing myself. Um. That was up until I have a hillbilly hot tub now, so I'm moving ah. up in the world. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's a lot of people that say that they can't do this, that if they did, their starting point would be ahead of where you are right now. They'd have a lot more luxury than you have even a year and yeah. a half in, but yet they, they talk themselves out of it because the idea of downgrading quality of life is a very uncomfortable thing for people in our time. Mm. Life, you know, And I think it's living in a world and the younger people more so, and I'm not picking on them because they're young because we were all young. And yes, when you're really young, you're stupid. We all were, you know, just yeah. I'm old enough that there's not a digital record of it, but yeah. what we did have when I was, or what we didn't have when I was a kid was a thousand channels on television. We didn't have an internet. We didn't have mobile phones. We like I remember when pagers were something rich people had. Nobody even uses yeah. them. Pagers are pointless now. Like everybody has a mobile phone. So we we didn't have this stuff. And so it makes people so comfortable having everything on demand. I mean, I remember we got our first microwave oven. Right. And like, so, yeah. you know, then you could like cook food fast. And like, that was crazy to me. I remember first time I ever saw a microwave was actually at a restaurant my grandmother worked at. I didn't know what it was. And she heated up a piece of pie for me and she took this pie out of the little spinny thing they have in diners. And I know it's ice cold in there. And she gives me this pie in like 30 seconds and it's screaming hot. And it blew yeah. my mind. I couldn't like, I couldn't get my head around it. I was like six years old. I'm like, how? how? And so if you've never experienced, the life prior to all this stuff, it can be kind of scary to let go of it, but trust me, it'll be okay. Right. I mean, you did it. Yeah. It's actually, it's not, well, for me anyway, it's not as hard as you really think. Like if you really, if you narrow it down and I think this is what I learned when I was like learning camping and bushcrafting stuff and foraging is like, we all have like very basic needs. Like we need food, we need water. We need shelter. Um, that's it. It's just those three things. And everything that we've done in society is just this complicated. We've just complicated all of these systems to still do just those three main functions. You know, yeah. at, at the end of the day, everything you do is just to serve one of those three things. I don't care what your job is. You're trying because you're just trading your time for money in order to pay for your like central heating in your home, which like, which is just replacing a campfire. And I think people don't know how warm a campfire can be to sleep next to. Yeah. Yeah. Especially done right. There's fire itself mm. has this kind of deep, um, penetrating heat. That's yeah, kind right. of different than central heat. You know, when you have heat in a house, like it warms the air. It's not, mm. it's, it's not like, um, when you put like a rate, a light bulb for chickens in a brooder and they get there yeah. and it literally penetrates those little birds body, it radiates or a, a, a heat yeah. lamp for like a lizard. And that's kind of what fire heat is. Or like I grew yeah. up, we had a coal furnace and we had radiators, these big cast mm -hmm. iron things with a boiler system that put hot water through them. And they radiate, that's called radiators They radiate heat. And the way that heat penetrates you, um, is a different thing. It's actually very, very comforting. Like one of the things that you can, if you dig into like, well, how did people keep warm in the past? Even when they had a house where they heated the person, not the mm. space, because when you yeah. had like a, a wood stove or a fireplace or whatever, you can't heat the whole house. 
So everybody, when yeah. it's cold, kind of gathered around the fire type of thing. Yeah, like this, where <clears throat> the cottage that I'm sitting in now is like 300 years old, and it's like the perfect eco home. Now, if you, if you want oh, to yeah. get planning permission to build a one-off home today, you need to yeah. have all of this modern materials and like um, synthetic materials for insulation, all these sorts of things to get an eco or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. To get yeah. that green star rating, you know. Yeah. But the way this is designed, like this window, like the, this window still here is like knee height. So yeah. the window's very low because the heat will be up higher, right? Yeah. These walls are like two foot thick. They're huge, big, thick stone walls. There's nothing but stone and just limecrete. So that stove behind me, it's not heating. Like yes, it does radiate it, like the air in the room somewhat. Yeah. What you're really trying to do is heat the heat the walls. Heat the, the walls, yeah. the walls will hold on to that heat. It's like the, it's like a a big version of a rocket mass heater. It's not as I don't think it's as efficient as the rocket mass heater, but it's that same idea. The stones are what you're trying to heat up, and um, then the the low window also during the summer, the sun doesn't actually hit that glass during the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that keeps this when it gets really, really hot. I need to hide in here to get out of the heat. But then during the winter, that sun will hit the back wall. Sure. Yeah. So it's built perfectly. Because they had to. Yeah. Right. Before you had a thermostat on your wall and you could just set it wherever you wanted and electricity and all the stuff we take for granted. When you built a house, it required you to think about that. But when we built houses yeah. there, they put in a street. How many can I fit on the street? Orientation. Yeah. I don't know. Like some houses are this way, some are that way. We want to do it so they back up and they share fence lines or whatever. Like there's no thought yeah. into yeah. like solar orientation or where's your prevailing winds. And, you know, in one climate, I really want to capture heat. I want to put the priority on that. A different climate, maybe I really want to shed heat. Like, most climates, yeah. we want to do a little of both, but what do I give priority to? There's a big difference in latitude, right, between where yeah, you yeah. live and where I live. Like, yeah. I don't, I barely even turn my heat on in the winter. We have the rare occurrences, big cold fronts, but I mean, we've had days where it's 35 degrees outside and we don't even want to think about turning the heat on because the house just like, we got lucky. It's oriented the right way. It's kind of, even though it's a modern house, it just, it worked out. Yeah, it's, it but if somebody that your street did just happen. Yeah. If if somebody yeah. would have built it on the street behind me, it would have been completely oriented the wrong way, I guarantee you. Like yeah. but you, when you did this back three hundred years ago, which is how old you're saying your places, which now I'm really intrigued, um hmm. you had to think that way. You you had no yeah. choice. And you mentioned the wall being that thick, because like the guy that built your cottage was like, I want my grandchildren to live in this house. Right. Yeah. So they built yeah. it with that mindset of going forward. And today, like you said, you got to do all this crap to be eco friendly and you're absolutely not what you yeah. have. It exceeds the quality of something. It's the green star or whatever now. Yeah, absolutely. Like my, one of my uh, neighbors has one of the. Well, I can't remember the name of it. It's the ther the thermal heaters. Like they, you have like a, the pipes running underground with the with the air oh, geothermal. to heat them. Yeah. So they have one of those, and like we had like the the energy crisis, is what people are calling it. Um, she can't turn that thing off, and it was getting to a point where she wanted to save money on her bills, but she couldn't 
because you can't like once that thing's on, it has to stay on. Yeah. Um, we have like so it's just complicated. Um, I think like there's complex systems in nature and the complicated systems that that we like to create. Um, there's very little steps in what I've got here. It's just orientate the building correctly, have your windows right, your your doors right, your walls thick enough. You know, yeah. there's not a lot that can go wrong except. For me, I'm the only thing that can go wrong. You're the, you're the dynamic component of the, the mm. system, right? Um, what are some of the things you have gotten done? It sounds like you're still pretty early in this, but you, you, you mentioned you, you don't have chickens yet. I guess your neighbor does because I heard one sounding off. Oh, no, that, no, that's mine. That's mine. So okay. I do have chickens now. Um, okay. I actually I got, a, I, get, I got a first flock the summer that I moved down. I was just like I kind of – you put the cart before the horse or you get uh-huh. the, the livestock before the fence. <laughs> so <laughs> – I was just so excited to get a flock of chickens and my neighbor said, Oh, I'm going to get some rescue hens from this. We have this thing here where the battery, the battery egg farms, they will, when the chickens are a year old, instead of culling them as much as they can, they will travel around to different towns. Real rehome them. them. Like, That's cool. Yeah. Sell them yeah. very cheap. You still need to sell them a little bit. Otherwise restaurants will try and get like cheap meat. Yeah. So gotcha. there is a, you do have to pay a little bit, but it's like six euro rather than like let's say eighteen euro for what I paid for mine. But those ones that, that I originally got, they they all died in a week. Oh. Uh, that was that was a lesson learned. Fox got them all in the space oh. of two hours. All of them were gone. So, yeah. but I have I have a flock now. I've got chicks now that I hatched out in the incubator. Um, so I got five survivors out of eight eggs that hatched. Uh, so I've got a total of 12 chickens at the minute. Okay. Well, one, one cockerel, two baby, two baby roosters, and then the rest are all hens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I went with bantams and I caught cause they reproduce so well. And, and now that's actually turned into a problem. I've got girls on eggs everywhere and I just caught another yeah. one to have two dozen freaking eggs. I'm like, yeah, there's no yeah. way you're hatching all of those, but I, I don't want to get rid of them because I don't know how, far along they are because she did a really good job of finding a place to hide. Um, yeah. yeah. See, I've yeah. been thinking of getting bantams or some silkies just, just for hatching. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm still not sure about that. I was like, what, but what if she hatches like way too many or something? I yeah. don't know. But yeah. like, and then you got to you know, big enough to eat them. Right. That's, and the bantams like, yeah, the bantams are actually delicious. They're just little yeah. and they take yeah. a long time to get like yeah. the size of a pigeon, right? Like yeah, where they're yeah. worth processing, you know, it's, and yeah, yeah, but they are broody. We, we, the main plan was we'll use them to hatch ducks and mm. that's worked. Okay. Cause ducklings yeah, yeah. are like three times as expensive as chicks. If you're buying them in. So we want to hatch, you know, every year. Yeah, and I don't, yeah. I don't like, I don't like being mama duck. I don't like brooding. I prefer to let nature do it. And the Bantam chickens, yeah. they do great. They do great with their little ducks. They that yeah. hatch, and then they kind of look at them like, yeah. why are you a freak? But yeah. they're like, all right, so I got freaks for kids, and they go on about their way. And um, Yeah, well, I think especially for you, like the ducks are a little more complicated to hatch in an incubator, and yeah. it's, kinda, it's just a bit, almost a bit too much hassle. So They take longer... Um, your fertility is never as high. Like I've, I've thrown 32 chicken eggs in an incubator and hatched 31 chickens. 
right? I have, yeah. I have never gotten better than about 60% with ducks. So you're going to have a certain amount that fail, you know, yeah. as long as that broody bird gets something out of it, she gets some babies, she's happy. She goes yeah. on with her life. Um, so yeah, if you get a bunch of them going, you can, you know, we, we added about two dozen ish ducks, I guess, maybe 20 new ducks this year that way. And you know, they're, yeah. Seven, eight dollars a piece now as ducklings, and you're always going to lose some of those, right? Yeah. Like you're never going to yeah. get all of them to adulthood because when you got them from a hatchery, there's always issues. And you know, seven bucks is buying straight run. You start buying yeah. sexed, and you're looking at like ten, twelve dollars. Well, if I end up with some surplus drakes from hatching, yeah. freezer camp, baby, you know. Duck, duck for duck next to the turkey on the Thanksgiving table. That's fine too. But when you buy straight run, you, you know you're already going to get a big feed debt. You know how, you've learned that already. The feed debt thing when you get chicks, like I got free eggs. Yeah. Well, in 24 weeks, I'll get my yeah. first egg, and it will be you know like a hundred dollar egg, and then they're free. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But um, yeah, no, you asked about my infrastructure, so it's like I do have the I do have the chickens. Uh, How are you protecting got, them now? Do you have them like in a coop and run or to keep the foxes at bay? Yeah, I've got a, I just have poultry netting. Okay. So I, so at the minute I've got a hundred meters, like two big lengths of poultry netting and that keeps them away. The foxes have come in and, um, but I have a cat and a dog and they both chase the foxes. Okay. Um, Cause my, my cat's, been with me for a long time she grew up in the city but there's a lot of foxes in the city in dublin so okay. she's used to them and then that nest i think like once a fox gets one shock it's not coming back so, yeah yeah and um, they're safe enough now and i've got my my no dig garden in um i did do an experiment last year because I, I couldn't afford to do a no dig garden but i wanted to grow something and also kind of prep the area that i was yeah. going to dig in so i just got a big tarp put uh, two bales of silage underneath and just spread that out, cut holes in it and just planted right in those, the holes in the tarp. And it worked. Um, I grew food, uh, yeah. not a lot of food that I had actually eat myself. I was mm. hoping the chickens would eat it, but chickens turns out are a lot pickier than, <laughs> than I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, they don't like kale and I grew a lot of kale. I no. thought they were, I thought they'd love it. You know, the thing with chickens is, well, and I don't think a lot of people know this, that we hear about like our, our grandparents and all the generation, they fed the chickens the scraps from the, the, the kitchen, you know. But like this is what my grandmother did. She would take all that stuff and throw it like in a thing, like mm. pretty much what I do now for composting. But she wouldn't compost it. She'd yeah, wait yeah. till she had enough to throw like a big pot on the, we had a coal stove, and she would just throw it on the coal stove and then throw everything yeah, in it and yeah. put water in it. And she would cook it down to like a mash. And yeah. that's what she fed her chickens. And she yeah. would say a lot of the stuff they'll eat. Once you do this to it, they'll eat it. But if you give it to them yeah. raw, they don't want it. They're not interested. Yeah. And that's yeah. like one of those things that like, I probably should have talked about that more on the show by now, but it's one of those things like, I don't, I don't do that. And because I don't do something, I, I, I tend not to talk about it. I, I have, but if I wanted to yeah, feed yeah. them that stuff, that's what I would do. I would do what my grandmother did. Yeah. Um, no, they're, they're, they won't turn down meat 
that's no. one like no. the same thing that I want to but like the stuff where you I see people on Instagram and on YouTube and they're like, Oh, my chickens love the lettuce and like mine mine will just walk on it. They'll yeah. They'll just walk away. They get they run up all excited, I throw the lettuce and they're like, Oh <laughs> then they're off again. Yeah. Um, no, no, I've I, I've seen like we've had, you know, some bones and stuff with some meat left on it and you yeah. throw it out there and they'll pick it like it's museum quality when they're done with it. There's nothing left, you know. They they yeah, are yeah. They are little dinosaurs is the joke, but there's something to that. And like uh today I was out checking on one of my worm bins and somehow some black soldier flies got in there and so I picked yeah. out all the grubs and when I threw that down, that was freaking that was battle royal chicken fights, man. Like they they yeah. want that protein and fat. It's whenever yeah. somebody Not says that like you, you see stuff that they sell in like eggs or chicken and they'll say 100% vegetarian diet. Well, the only way to guarantee that is to lock yeah. the animal up. Cause if you put a chicken outside, yeah. if it's alive and fits in a beak, it's going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like they're, if the chicks are really funny, cause that you, every now and then you just see them hop up into the air. Cause they're like jumping up to try and catch oh, yeah. a fly. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, it's a, it's a lot of fun watching them, but uh, they're definitely, they definitely love anything alive, and then even even the dead stuff. I I I make my own. I don't raise my own ducks, but I do buy a whole duck, and I'll process that down. I'll confit it and uh-huh. save the fat, and I'll th- I'll just throw the carcass out to the chickens, and they go mad for it. Yeah, and like yep. they they pick the bones clean. Absolutely, know? absolutely. And if you did it to one of their brothers or sisters, they'd do that too. They don't they don't discriminate. Yeah, kind of creepy to yeah. think about it that way. But chicken. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and most things eat yeah. their own kind to a degree, like fish eat little fish, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. All the mollusks, most of the mollusks in the ocean live on other mollusks, right? That's just nature. Yeah. We as humans find that off-puttings, but nature doesn't care. I'm sure you've seen the meme with like, you know, making fun of vegans or whatever. And it's like a little, it's like a little mouse and a frog sitting next to each other. And the mouse is like up on the frog checking them out. It's like, I, yeah. I trust nature or something. And the next thing, the frog's eating the mouse. And it's just like nature. Yeah. This is what nature really is. Frog ate the mouse. Um, yeah. So you, you did get at least the beginnings of a garden. And have you made any progress this year, like going to like the next level? Yeah. And no, I've done a full no dig garden. I, I brought in, I need to remember now, like 10 tons of soil and the, oh, no, not 10 tons. Sorry. 10 cubic meters, okay. 10 cubic meters of soil and 10 cubic meters of um, uh, wood chips for the pathways. And I've done a, just a big no dig garden. Um, and learning like no dig does not mean no weeds. Yeah. But, um, this is because the, the rhizominous stuff, the rhizomatous isn't the right word, is it? Rhizomatous. Well, anyway, rhizomes, the horsetail, big yeah. issue. Horsetail that breaks through, uh, no matter what you put in, the horsetail breaks through, and like creeping buttercups, uh, cooch grass, anything that's already established underneath is still going to come through. But um, I just uh, just weeding that like once or twice a day, you know, it's not that it's not that much work if you do it that often, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's the key with weeding is to do it all the time, a little at a time. When yeah. you wait even two weeks, it's like, what have I done? And then you don't want to do it 
So then you put <laughs> yeah. it off. Well, now, now you got three weeks. And like you said, stuff with, with yeah. rhizomes is really like our big thing here that always invades the garden beds is uh, called Bermuda grass. And it, mm. it's, it, run, it grows from rhizomes. It's perennial grass and it sends out runners. And it, like yeah. I even have like my beds are like two foot tall and it'll mm. come up inside the, the raised bed yeah. from the inside and invade that way. And I should yeah. have blocked all around those. And I, that's one of those I'll get to it things. And it just, I'll, I haven't gotten to it yet. Like, you know, yeah. but if you do stay on it, it's a mm. lot easier because when you do conventional gardening where you dig, you know, you, you get the beginning of your spring and you do, and it looks perfect. It's all level. Yeah. It's all. And then it's that you just, I know it still happens when you do no dig, but it happens so much more when you dig yeah. it up, when you till it, because that's a germination trigger, that soil disturbance, and then everything goes, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it's cool that you've, you've begun to really make some progress, and you kind of have documented some of the stuff, like you have a YouTube and an Instagram and what have you, right? Yeah, I'm not. I don't really update the Instagram too often. Like I just, whenever I remember, um. But I do have a YouTube channel. I do um, I do upload videos. I've started doing more live streams lately. I'm really enjoying those. But that's another. <clears throat> the live streams are another learning curve as well. Uh, yeah. Just learning the software, even just the hardware you don't think about, and then your internet connection goes. Things wrong all the time. But I'm having fun with it, and I. It's the same thing with the homesteading. Is like I'm having fun failing. I'm having fun failing with my live streams. Yeah. Yeah, what are you using for your your live stream? Uh, are you using uh, Streamyard like we are here? You got something else or? No, I'm using Streamlabs, but like now I'm seeing yeah. Stream because like I have had I, I had a guest on last week, but I was using like Zoom and trying to mirror that in. Um, but uh, I'm here through Streamyard, which is pretty cool. So I'm gonna yeah. have a look at Streamyard. Um. Um. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting. Like when I st- just gonna, it's I'm just for having like a little bit of a memory now that I'm talking about it, <laughs> like just yeah. failing, um, and just going back to not being afraid to do that. Like when I started my YouTube channel, which you can see there on the screen, I started that with a broken phone that like the screen was completely cracked and <laughs> held together with sellotape. Yeah, that's how I started off. And now I've got I've got my five thousand subs and like the channel's growing and uh, but I wasn't afraid to start with just me like shaky holding the phone like that you know and it's like I'm not afraid to start my homestead with what I just what I have and just make it work you know I think a lot of people as we said earlier with the homestead they think they need all the money at once they need to have the perfect garden in with the perfect raised beds using the railway sleepers and <clears throat> the perfectly fenced chicken run and um you could just get started with like one of my neighbors has chickens in a coal bunker like a big plastic tub and um, to hold coal and that's what he keeps his chickens in you could just start off with what you have yeah i, I would completely agree that's i mean it, that's one of the things like we, we refer to it as the toolbox fallacy. People like, I have to wait until I have the better thing or whatever. And, you know, if you wait till you have the better thing, you probably will never have the better thing. But if you start with what you have, you probably will have an even better thing than the thing that you think you need. 
if that makes any yeah. sense, because then you figure things out. And I've, I've been impressed with how many people have done the YouTube thing in the homesteading space, like the fi- the fishing, like every niche you can think of fishing, tropical fish. Mm. That's a big thing for me, hunting and whatever. And they end up with they have way more than they ever thought they would because they mm. literally build a business off of documenting what they're doing. But yeah. what I've noticed is the most successful ones, if you go all the way back, they all did what you just said. Not a single one of them came out of the gate. They had multiple camera angles and studio lighting. And like I I started my podcast. I literally had a $20 Plantronics MP3 or uh, uh, I remember who it was. Plantronics was a headset. I had like a a headset, like the old school look like your Luke Skywalker and X-Wing thing that I had for my phone. That's how long ago that was. And it plugged into this little MP3 player and I did it in my car. And it, yeah. it was road noise, and yeah, I'd be driving, and this is how you do the dehydrate zucchini, and you asshole, get out of my way. And people were like, and people dug that though. Instead of yeah. like, there was always it's too much background noise. Don't listen, don't listen. Yeah. But like, one of my favorite guys on YouTube is a dude named Brandt, and he's a professional fishing guide. He actually quit guiding because he makes so much money off his YouTube channel now. Yeah, and well, if you yeah. go watch his first, like his videos now, they're all professionally edited. They're well scripted. They follow a formula. They've got great thumbnails. His first videos were like he's in his boat with a iPhone like tied to his thing, just just videoing himself, like you know, fake GoPro angles and stuff. And it's no editing at all. And dude's got like a million subs. Yeah, yeah. And I think that your like loyal people come from the time you're building that way because they're like they they're rooting for you. You know, I know I experienced. Yeah. Like they see the growth and development. Like I have got my regular commenters and stuff, and uh, it's a really cool way to get to know people. And um, I do. I just started a Telegram group chat thing because I want I want to get more people interacting with each other. There's like there's still only like eight people in there right now, but yeah. Um, but that's what I really love, and that's why I started moving into the live streams. I think that's um, I find that a lot more fun than the edited videos. I'm not going to stop with the edited videos, but yeah. Um. I'll definitely be doing a lot more of these. Um, I think they both work and they both do different things, you know, because yeah, you're not going to yeah. do a live feed and show that your chicken coop slid over and you have to lift it back up or whatever. Like that has to be done differently. Yeah. I think the other thing yeah. you get a new appreciation for when you do what you're doing, hmm. you think when you watch a YouTuber, that's a homesteader for instance, and they're, they're building their chicken coop or they're putting in fencing or whatever. Well, I'll just video it while I do it. And you end up with more work in the video side. Yeah. Like you could have been done well, yesterday with the project, but because you're videoing it, it takes longer. Yeah. It's more complicated, but it takes I think it's worth five doing. times longer. Yeah. I think it's worth well, doing even, though because the value, I mean, I know you had to have learned yeah. a ton of shit from YouTube hmm. university, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was just laughing there cause I'm, I just, I'm building a new chicken coop and I'm, I was filming it. <laughs> uh, I'm like, so I'm not gonna really going I'll get into it in the video if people are really yeah. interested in it. But my filming had to stop because of the weather. And oh, I, yeah. like, and then I had someone here helping me, and then they had to leave. So at the same time, so we just had to be like, all right, we can't film anything. We just need to get this done. We need to get this water tight before the bad because the thunderstorm came through. Um. So we just had to give it up. So now that video is kind of, it's going to be a bit choppy, but that's kind of, that's kind of part of it. It's just, it's funny that you said it's the chicken coop thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
It is. Uh, it's, it's not easy to no. film everything, you know? And what I've seen, like, what seems to work for a lot of people is they just set up a camera, they don't worry about audio, and then they mm. they just pick pieces of it and they voice over it in the editing. You know, and then they'll yeah. time-lapse yeah. through certain things, like, you know, I rose the four walls, and the, it happens in one minute, and it took the guy, you know, yeah. you see the sun go down, the guy leave, and the guy come back, sun come up, yeah. and he goes back to work, like, and you figure yeah. out the formula that works for you. Some people like that. I think I would hate that. I like yeah, to, I'm, I like to teach while I'm doing a thing. Yeah, I'm the same. Like if you but if you if anybody does happen to go to my channel, like my videos are kinda I don't have I have I still haven't found that yet. Like what's the best uh formula for me? Yeah. Um I'm still like playing around with You'll see my earlier videos are way different than like the, my middle videos, and then even yeah. they're different than my later ones. Um, but I, I'll be doing the voiceover thing for this chicken coop video because it's just the way it has to be. <laughs> Very cool, man. Well, I definitely recommend that everybody subscribe to your YouTube channel. Um, we'll uh, make sure it is in the the show notes. I don't, I can't mess it up because it already is the notes are already done. I have your Instagram and you have a Telegram group, I guess, or a Telegram contact in there too. Um, I appreciate you being with us today. I think that we need to do uh, more episodes like this. People that are just at the beginning of their journey, they mm. gave up what they had to go get something new. I think that's one of the more popular uh, forms of interviews that we do. And we've had people that, you know, did it when they're 55 and they had a lot of money when they did it. We did have people like yourself that like you barely had enough to buy. And we've, we've even had people that like, they started with way less than you had, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. it, and I think it's good to see it from wherever. Uh, like you said, yeah, you mentioned sure. the van. Like I had one person on, they literally lived in their car. They barely had yeah. money for raw land and they lived in their car while they set things up. I remember back, uh, been about 2014 ish, uh, one of the permaculture voices conferences I spoke at. Uh, there were two guys there, one from California, one from the Midwest, and they had both apprenticed with Mark Shepard to learn how to farm. And they did a talk mm-hmm. on how to get land. So it was a yeah. ton of young people went to that one. Man. That room was full of people. I'm looking around. I'm like an old man. And this is 10 years ago. And I was an old man in that room. And they were like, I could tell all these young guys were like, there's going to be some kind of trick. You know, and yeah, the one yeah. guy was like, so we, we scraped, uh, saved enough money. We bought raw land. I went out, cut a bunch of trees down and made poles. And then my wife sewed a yurt. We just bought the material. Mm. We didn't even buy a pre-made year. We lived in that for three years. And the other one, the guy bought a FEMA trailer that was like after the people from Hurricane Katrina moved out of it and just dragged it out there. And he wasn't allowed to live that way on his land because of zoning or some shit. So he just basically hid it in the woods. So if they don't see it, they don't know. And you could see a lot of uncomfortable shifting, looking through the door. Can I get out of here with no one? Because they didn't want to hear Hmm. They don't want to hear that. Yeah. They wanted to hear, yeah. how do I keep playing Xbox and have a 50 acre farm and make my living selling grass fed beef? Cause that's what the guy yeah. in California was doing. He was selling as fast as he could produce beef, pork and chicken. He was selling it. And he literally had, he's like, I am not here to get business. I can't take any new customers. I am tapped out. I don't want to work any harder. My land is paid yeah. for but then nobody actually, well, I would say nobody. You could tell a lot of people were uncomfortable hearing what it took to get that. And yeah. I'm sure there'll be somebody in 10 years that will tell you how lucky you are. I, I promise yeah. you they will tell you how, just as you're really lucky. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, like I didn't shiver in the cold and the wet, <laughs> dealing yeah. with mold and all the rest. Yeah, no, it's, um, there are a lot of, even, even people my, I, it kind of blows my mind there are people my age that like play Minecraft. I'm like, I'm out here with a real pickaxe and I'm really building stuff. And I am, um, it's just, it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you being with us today. Um, again, I'm going to make sure that uh, that his uh, YouTube, Instagram, Telegram are all in the audio notes. That will go live on the audio side about 30 to 45 minutes from when this video ends. There's a link right down in the video notes if you're watching the video for that. And uh, if you click it right now, then you're going to send me a DM or something. It tells me it's broken. It's not broken. It's not there yet. We're not done yet. It will be there soon. Uh, we got a couple of yesterday on Noster from DMs like the link doesn't work. Well, it's been two minutes since the live stream stopped. It's it's not done yet. Um, so just so you guys know that. And if you are listening to the audio and you want to follow uh, follow uh, everything, then what you really want to do is just go to the site, the survival podcast dot com and pull up episode thirty three twenty one. If it's today, it'll be at the top. If it's somewhere in the future, you found this episode. Just use the search box and put 3321 in the search box and you will find this episode. Man, I really appreciate you being with us today. This was a, a great discussion, and uh, I hope it will encourage people. I, I One of your stated objectives was to remove excuses for people not yeah. doing this when you submitted to be on the show. I don't know if you've removed the excuses from the stubborn, but you've done a good job yeah. of removing the, the excuses from the person that doesn't that doesn't want an excuse. They, they're looking for a way around it. There is a way to do yeah. this. Like, I wouldn't recommend this life to everybody, but for <laughs> those that want it, it's like, how bad do you want it? Like, do you really want it? Because if yeah. you do, you like, you can make it happen. Re- like, really, like, uh, it depends where you are in your own situation, but there's always a way. I'll offer, I want to bust a myth for people that are young that think this will be easier when they're 40. It won't. If you're 20 years yeah. old and single, it will never be easier than it will be in, in the next few months to years. Like you may want to yeah. do what Kyle did and you may want to save up some money or what have you. But like then you don't say, well, one day I'm going to save up some money. I'm going to do it. Then the day to start saving is today. The day to come up with a plan, a budget, et cetera. The day to start window shopping land, start learning what's available, and then understand something you really have going for you when you're that young. It doesn't matter where you move to. Now, you may have family you want to stay within a day's drive or something, like to go home and visit mom or whatever. But like when we moved here, part of what made it hard is we were coming back from Arkansas. My father-in-law was in poor health. My wife wanted to be here to help take care of him. So we drew a circle around him. And we had to be within a certain, like, she had to be any day be there that morning if she needed to be there. And so that limited, and it was still a big geography. But when I was 20, I could have, it would have been 22 because I had to get out of the Army. But at that point, I literally did go wherever there was an opportunity. And when you're looking for land, the opportunity is here's a place that I can afford to work. And don't be afraid. Yeah. Like, and especially in our country, like, Ireland is, a, it's, it's not small, but compared to the United States, there's a lot yeah. less real estate available. There is so yeah. much available in this country in every climate yeah. type. You know, South and Florida is tropics. When picking a property, um, I've talked about this on my channel before, is uh, 
the perfect property is the one that you're willing to compromise for. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. and it, the, it goes with yeah, every, just everything in life, really relationships, everything. It's just like, you need, you need to be willing to compromise uh, somewhat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, I never actually like, where is your property from, like from Dublin and how much property do you have? I have an acre, uh, but it's bordering with, uh, Sitka spruce forestry plantation. So there's like okay. a couple hundred acres of, so I'm, I'm very, I think my nearest neighbor is like hundreds of two, no, yeah, maybe 200 meters away from me. So I'm very on my own here, um, which is nice. Um, that's a perfect setup. Cause you're only paying for the acre. You're only paying tax on the acre. Acre will wear you yeah. out. And then yeah. you don't, you yeah. have a buffer. If I owned a hundred acres, I'd probably clear two. At the most, yeah, like, yeah, you know? yeah. But I like having that buffer. I like walking the dog back there. It's like it's kind of like I treat it like it's my own forest. You yeah, know? yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But I can't cut down firewood for yeah. all the trees. I'll yeah. just say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you being with us today. Uh, again, we'll get this up about an hour, a half hour to forty-five minutes from right now. Uh, thanks for being with us today, Kyle. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. All right, guys, real quick before I completely wrap up and go get on that editing, I want to remind you that you can help support this show by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. When you shop there, no matter what you buy, you do help us out. Today's item of the day I won't say much about because I brought it around uh, last week for you. Uh, but I brought it back today because so many of you actually uh, got your hands on it. It is the Vegetti Spiral Vegetable Slicer. They're 10 bucks, and they don't take up a lot of space like a uh, spiralizer does. And if you're living the low-carb lifestyle, that's just a great tool to be able to make zoodles, which are just vegetable noodles. I even have a little video for you showing how to use it. It's only about a minute long. Honestly, if you can't figure out how to use it, you probably shouldn't have it. It's pretty simple. It's like a pencil sharpener in the way that it works. But I did the video more to show you how well it works uh, because it does work really good. And if you are growing the tromboncino zucchinis uh, that I uh, talk about all the time, this thing is awesome because that whole neck is just flesh. So it is very, very easy to use, works very quickly. Check it out. Uh, but I think we've sold somewhere in north of 100 of these uh, since I brought it around last week, I've got at least a dozen, you know, thank you, this thing's awesome emails and zero complaints. So that that's always a good thing. And then real quick reminder, um, I do still have a few tickets left for our 15-year anniversary celebration. Uh, it's going to be located in Fort Worth, Texas. It is a Thursday. The date is the 20th of July. I think when I looked this morning, there were eight tickets left for it. Um, if you can come, it will be a hell of a party. You'll meet some really great people. And uh, I, uh, I really encourage you, if you want to come and you want to get a ticket, I would get a ticket now because when we're down, we're talking single digits, uh, you know, one person could, could pick up a couple here and there because I've had a lot of couples coming uh, and they could go really quick. But, you know, that said, anybody that wanted to come, you've had, what, two weeks now. So, um but if you still want to come, get on board before it's too late. With that, I hope you had a, a good time today. Uh, again, it was really a great guest. 
I love having folks on like Kyle that are making it happen. And I like having people on like they've gotten some things done. So it's not just an idea. It's not just something that they're pulling out of the rear end. But yet they're still very early in it because that shows you the progression because there is a lot of I want to call it I don't want to call it fake on YouTube, but there's a lot of people out there that are doing this. And they do have a lot of resources and money, or maybe they, they didn't in the beginning and they had to fight through this, but now they've got all the systems set up. They're in a very mature system and they've got good income coming in from what they're doing. And it makes it look really easy, which is a problem because it's not, especially in the beginning, but it also sometimes makes it look out of reach. This is not out of reach. And again, you young folks, you 20 somethings, get on with it. Get on with it because your dash is shortening every day. With that's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. They said you should have a house the American way. Dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way. Show you a better way. You don't have to be another face in the crowd. You don't have to live the way they tell you to. Make your own way, others will follow. Revolution